but I want you to know what I am. I am a witch. My name's Kiki, and I'm a witch. You a good witch or a bad witch? <laughs> come see, come sir. She's worse than the other one. Bonnie and Maude presents All of Them Witches, hosted by Xenia Yarosh and Eleanor Kagan. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. This was recorded on October 13th, 2014, at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York. We presented All of Them Witches, a one-night-only live variety show that explored portrayals of witches and witchcraft in pop culture, film, and television. This is Eleanor Kagan. And this is Ksenia Yarosh. We hope you've been enjoying the presentations from our All of Them Witches live show that we are bringing you all this week leading up to Halloween. There's been a lot of talk about these ideas of quote-unquote good witchcraft versus quote-unquote bad witchcraft or black magic versus white magic. And I think a lot of what we found in movies about witches and magic and women is that you can't really quantify these things on that kind of binary. I mean, from our earliest intakes of witch portrayals as kids, we often see there's the black witch and the white witch from Wizard of Oz and, you know, similar fairy tales. But as we get older and start to uh, pay attention, we notice that the line of good and bad magic blurs and we become more interested in the gray area of witchcraft and magic as tied to women and feminism. Exactly. And find ourselves drawn to both sides and all sides and everything in between. So to talk a little bit about this from her own personal experience, the following presentation is delivered by Rosie Schapp. Enjoy. Our next presenter, Rosie, is the coolest. She's been all over NPR. She's been on This American Life. She writes the drink column for the New York Times Magazine. Uh, She wrote an incredible book called Drinking with Men. My favorite Rosie Schapp fun facts is that she was a librarian at a paranormal organization and is a fortune teller. So bearing that in mind, please welcome Rosie Schapp. everybody. Are you good? Or are you bad? What are you? Um, So you probably already figured this out, but there was a giant sale on ladies' black garments in Gowanus today. (laughs) But I want to talk a little bit about metal breastplates. You never see those things on sale. I don't know why. Um, But when I think of a metal breastplate, I think of Morgana in John Borman's Excalibur. Uh, That movie came out in 1980, and my brother and I watched it compulsively on our Betamax. And by the time I was 12, there was no one I wanted to be more than Helen Mirren's incredibly beautiful, intensely bitter, cursing and accursed Morgana. Your eyes never leave me, Merlin, she says to the magician, her mentor and nemesis. And the same is true of anyone who watches the movie. I can still recite the charm of making, the spell spoken in some make-believe pseudo-Celtic language, which Merlin teaches Morgana, 
but I can't do it with a straight face, so don't make me. Let's hear her do it. Careful. It can damage your beauty. Anal Okay, so you totally get why I wanted to be her, right? I mean, come on. Who is cooler than Morgana? But she's also bad news. She's evil. She's cruel. But let's consider her childhood trauma. Already gifted with magical powers from infancy, she is able simultaneously to see her father, the Duke of Cornwall, die in battle. And at the exact same time, she can see Uther Pendragon, who, disguised as her dead father, Cornwall, who just died a second ago, shows up at the castle to rape her mother. And then the brother born of that violation is spirited away by Merlin, and then he becomes king. And the thing is, evil seldom emerges from a vacuum. Morgana was wronged. Listen, I never had it that bad. So I'm not sure why I connected with her so quickly and so fully, but I did. And it has something to do with the setting. The place I glimpsed in Excalibur was, and I wrote about this in an essay about Sandy Denny, and we'll get to her in a minute, it was a murky, mythic place. It was sexy and strange. It was one vast, dark wood broken up now and then by a remote village full of dreadful secrets, a werewolf's dark moor, a lightning-blasted oak on a dreary plain. A moment did arrive, however, when I could not bring myself to watch Excalibur one more time. The Betamax was obsolete, the tape was thrown out, but I wasn't done with Morgana, and she wasn't quite done with me. Some years passed without a single viewing of the movie, but as a teenager, I was ready to take an earnest leap into witchy stuff. I made myself sort of an expert in the old gods and goddesses of Europe. I studied herbal medicine. I could translate runes. I knew some basic incantations. I read tea leaves and most of all tarot. Tarot was my thing. And when I shut my bedroom door behind me to practice with my cards, I listened to Led Zeppelin's The Battle of Evermore over and over and over. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sandy Denny's voice, and, and I know you all know that it's Sandy Denny singing the backup vocals there, had much the same effect on me as Helen Mirren's Morgana. It brought me back into that mythic, spooky, wonderful space, this sort of pseudo-England that a Jewish girl from New York just totally connected with for whatever, <laughs> whatever reason. And as I practiced tarot cards and listened to the Battle of Evermore, I felt somehow that the song, especially Denny's part in it, was filling me with power. Remember, it's pretty, but it's martial. That ethereal voice implores us to raise our bows and pick up our swords and not beat them into plowshares. And as a song of war, like my devotion to Morgana, it was at odds with the kind of witch I was supposed to be. 
the kind of witch most teenage girls in the 1980s were told to be, if we were into this stuff at all. Peaceful, healing, benign, ever mindful of what all of us understood as the threefold law, any shitty thing you do will come back to you times three. Ooh. <laughs> Listen, I had no interest in being evil. Well, maybe a teeny tiny bit. Um, I mean, that stuff that Kate just talked about, that looks really fun. Um, but I wasn't really interested in being evil or like doing horrible hexes on my enemies, maybe a few. But I resented the mildness, the wishy-washiness. Could I at least be kind of scary without actually doing anything horrible? Was that possible? Glinda's great question to Dorothy, are you a good witch or a bad witch? was one I could never really answer with conviction. I was torn. There was an occult store in New York called The Magical Child. Does anybody remember that? Yay! Oh, oh my God, I thought I was the oldest person here. Thank God. Um, and it was dark and dusty and dirty, and I loved it. And it was open to all comers, you know, feminist, new agey, Wiccan people, total Satanists. Everyone was welcome there, and that's how I felt it should be. This is a democracy. Um, and I just, so many other like would-be teenage witches I knew were freaked out by the place, and I wanted to be there all the time. It felt real to me, and it felt honest. And all of this made me relate years later, and after for a bunch of reasons I'd more or less given up on trying to be a witch, to Willow Rosenberg on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, Willow. As the series progresses, we watch Willow grow and deepen and sometimes really stumble as a witch. And there's one scene that I consider, from what I consider the series' single greatest episode, Hush, that brought me right back to the old dilemma of my teenage self. Daughters of Gaia, sisters to the moon, we walk with the darkness, the wolf at our side, through the waterfall of power, to the blackest heart of eternity. I think we should have a bake sale. I don't know. You guys like a bake sale, right? I mean, we need money for the dance recital, and you know I do an empowering lemon bun. The most important thing is the Gaian newsletter. We need to get the message of blessing out to the sisters. Also, who left their scented candles dripping all over my woman power shrine? Well, this is good. I mean, this is all fun, you know? But there's also other stuff that we might show an interest in as a Wicca group. Like what? Well, there's the wacky notion of spells. You know, conjuring, transmutation. Oh, yeah. Then we could all get on our broomsticks and fly around on our broomsticks. <laughs> you know, certain stereotypes are not very empowering. I think that... One person's energy can suck the power from an entire circle. No offense. Talk, all talk. Blah, blah, Gaia, blah, blah, moon. Menstrual life force power thingy. You know, after a couple sessions, I was hoping we would get into something real, but no actual witches in your witch group. No, bunch of wanna blessed bees. You know, nowadays every girl with a henna tattoo and a spice rack thinks she's a sister of the dark. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like Willow, I didn't want to sit around in a circle talking, talking, talking. I wanted to do stuff. 
I wanted to make things happen. I wanted to see the future. I wanted magic. But for the most part, I was as timid and restrained as those wanna blessed bees. And those of you who also loved Buffy as much as I do know what happened when Willow gets addicted to magic a couple of seasons later and in her grief for a brief time becomes a very, very, very bad witch, mad with power. Even before I met Morgana in Excalibur, there was another witch I loved, one I'd known since childhood, and that was Morticia Adams. First, the original, drawn so beautifully by Charles Adams in his cartoons. Then the TV Morticia, played so charmingly by Carolyn Jones. And then much later, the movie Morticia, depicted with wit and comic brilliance by Angelica Houston. Unhappy, darling. Yes, completely. <laughs> Gomez. Querida. Last night you were unhinged. You were like some desperate howling demon. You frightened me. So lovely. <laughs> Morticia is witch as melancholiac, deeply immersed in the symbology of mortality and decay, living her life surrounded by memento mori, living her life in a highly cultivated affect of death. And the more I've seen of death and dying in recent years, the more I've lost, the more I relate to her most of all and love her best. The emblems of death are a comfort to Morticia, as if she knows that intimacy with it might help her better to face it. I'm reminded of the symbols of the Mexican Day of the Dead, and I've come to feel the same way. Morticia loves her family. She couldn't be a more devoted wife. She's deeply romantic. She may seem detached, but we know she cares. She is not all good, she is not all bad, she is spooky and sad and sympathetic. She's scary and she's sweet. And that is exactly the kind of witch I always wanted to be. Thank you. Thank you, Rosie. Um, so let's all grab our broomsticks and fly around on our broomsticks. Uh, <laughs> because that's the most awkward line in that weird clip. Checked the thesaurus for like, what's another word for broomstick? And then couldn't find it, we're just like, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> Give it up for AK. I took my troubles down to Madame Ruth. You know that gypsy with the gold.
like turpentine and looked like India ink. I held my nose, I closed my eyes, I took a drink. I didn't know if it was day or night. I started kissing every single thing in sight. But when I kissed a cop down at 34th and You just listened to AK performing the cover of Love Potion Number no. 9 at our one-night-only live show, All of Them Witches. To hear more from AK, including songs off her latest EP, How Not to Be Alone, visit her website at ak-ak-ak.com. And that is the letter A and the letter K. To see more of Rosie Shap's work, uh, her magic, visit her website at rosieshap, spelled S-C-H-A-A-P.com. And you can also find her in the pages of the New York Times Magazine telling you what's good to drink. Of course, there are videos from all of them witches at our website, bonnieandmod.com and youtube.com slash bonnieandmod, including the clips that Rosie showed in her presentation of Buffy, of The Addams Family, of Excalibur... And uh, you can throw on some Battle of Evermore and ride out the rest of the evening enjoying them. Sing to